0: Welcome to the Lusander Show. This is episode four and my continuing coverage of the fifth annual Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest from last year. Today will be my conversation with Dana Martin and we talked about unschooling and peaceful parenting. I'm happy to announce that she will be back this year for another visit. I'm hoping their travel goes better than last year. She had some delays with her flight and wound up arriving around 5 in the morning. She still gave her presentation was able to talk to attendees and sat down with me for this interview. I've included the links to to her website, YouTube channel, and to the video presentation in the show notes. There is a bit of background noise in this interview, and I wasn't able to take it out, but that's how things go when recording at a festival, which, by the way, is right around the corner and will be held at the Circle Pine Center in Dalton, Michigan, just outside of Kalamazoo, from Thursday, June 21st through Monday, June 25th. Scheduled speakers include Scott Horton of Antiwar.com, Brett Banat of the School Sucks podcast. I've already mentioned that Dana will be back. CJ Kilmer of the Dangerous History podcast will be returning. Also returning will be Nick Hazelton, Jim Cunningham, and Ole, who will be coming in from Indonesia, and newbies will include Luis Fernando Mises and Derek Bros. Aside from these great presentations there will be the usual outdoor activities. There is a lake out there so there's going to be swimming down at the beach. I believe there's some canoes that are available. There's plenty of trails for going hiking and biking and all sorts of different stuff. There will be the bonfire pit and the assault kitchen has a bump stock this year and something that's kind of interesting is the aerial yoga that Will be happening in the mornings. Oh, and of course, bacon. Lots of bacon. You can get more information on the fest at mplfest.org. And now, here's my interview with Dana. <music> I'm here with Dana Martin. She is a radical unschooling advocate and a mom of four. And she just gave her presentation at the Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest just a little while ago. Uh, welcome to Michigan, Dana, and thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a great time so far. I love it.
0: I was able to catch part of your presentation. I I could ask you a million questions and and, and just talk to you for like hours on end because I'm really fascinated by the uh, unschooling and the peaceful parenting and the non-authoritarian style parenting. And I don't have children, but I'm I'm fascinated by it. And it's, it's just really amazing because it's very contradictory to what we are brought up to believe. Probably all around the world, everything is based upon an authoritarian system. And, and then just the different hierarchies of you have the, you have the teacher at school. And I, I remember when I was in elementary school, the first time I saw the teacher at, at like the grocery store, it's like, what are you doing outside of the school? You live there. What are you doing out? How did you come into the radical unschooling and peaceful parenting and everything else?
1: Well, it's not something I, I planned on. It happened really naturally and organically after I had my first child. Everybody was telling me, giving me parenting advice, telling me not to hold him too much, to not pick him up when he cried to feed him on a schedule, and all of those kind of recommendations that are really culturally common. But none of them felt right to me. When he cried, my instinct was to pick him up and hold him. And when he he was hungry, I wanted to feed him. I didn't want to have a clock rule me, you know, and rule his nutrition. And he never wanted to be in the crib. He wanted to sleep next to me. So I made made sure we were doing it safely and we co-slept. And so I think from the very beginning, tapping into my instinct and closing out the cultural advice just continued to carry on. I had no idea there were labels for what i was doing and i I kind of stepped into this whole other culture not intentionally just naturally so i started from that beginning
0: basically your instincts told you that conventional wisdom wasn't so wise right okay so how did you verify that the conventional wisdom wasn't so wise and that the alternative methods were better what were your results that you saw as you went along
1: well, interestingly enough, I realized that 99% of parenting books on the market were focused on meeting the parents' needs pretty much solely for obedience and compliance and behavior modification. And, and it was for the needs of the parents. And nobody took into consideration the needs of children, the needs of babies, toddlers, older kids, focus focuses on manipulating and controlling their behavior and no attention at all to the focus of the needs under the behavior. And so that awareness came to me and I, I asked myself, why is that? And so my goal has been to focus on the needs under everybody's behavior and to meet my needs as well as my children's needs simultaneously so yeah that's pretty much how it started what was the question again (laughs) keep in mind guys if anyone's listening i am so tired it was like such an amazingly busy day but oh yeah you had had
0: a you had a travel nightmare yeah the question was about when when did you realize that the alternative methods were the were the better way to do it what were the results that you
1: saw my son you know my children their happiness their contentment they were thriving health-wise they didn't have the emotional issues that i saw in a lot of other kids and that i was told were really normal was never an issue with sleep it was never an issue with with that with anything it just was really smooth and joyful experience so my heart told me that was right
0: okay i've had conversations with a number of people you you mentioned that it was for the parents needs usually when you're dealing with the with the anarchists or the very strong libertarian libertarians i'm I'm not talking about the lp libertarians i'm talking about you know the the people that are real libertarians not political and this one woman was talking about how she has a regimented curriculum for her kids and everything else. And it's it's kind of like public school at home, really, what it comes down to. And, and I was asking her, well, what about learning preferences? Are your kids auditory learners, visual kinesthetic? What What's their learning preferences? She says, look, we do this this way because this is the best way to do it. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it really sounds like it's going with your preferences and not the kids.
1: Mm, right. So you even picked up on that. I, I think it is really natural. I, I think that what we're doing is like this mini microcosm of, of what anarchy is. In fact, I didn't know what anarchy or, or this whole community existed until I started talking publicly about this. And then I realized that we are living that way and how we parent. So yeah, the kids' needs come before the parents' agenda.
0: What sort of things do you do for learning lessons for your kids? And how old are they?
1: I have uh, four kids, a nine-year-old son, a 12-year-old daughter, 15-year-old daughter, and an 18-year-old son. As far as their learning goes, whatever they're interested in is what I consider the nucleus of their learning. So I'm not their teacher. That's the whole difference in the philosophy of radical and schooling versus like a traditional homeschooling approach homeschooling for most people are is buying a curriculum and doing what schools do at home just like you said mm-hmm. the same kind of idea the same idea of forced learning the same idea of kind of educating everybody in the same manner regardless of the children's strengths weaknesses learning styles and so forth this is completely different because that's based on the internal motivation of the learner and to me forced learning isn't freedom like if somebody was to try to force you to learn something right now that you had no interest in it would be completely against your human rights to try to force you to do that through manipulation and people don't don't see that when it, when it comes to children so the way that they learn is is whatever they're interested in i will bring as many resources into their lives as possible to learn and grow from I look at myself as their learning facilitator so it's a pretty hands-on approach if they're into something I'll find mentors or you know find different opportunities whether it's travel or experiences or books or something online or even documentaries so it takes a lot of research but I think back to
0: when I was young there was a and this is before cable by the way there was a documentary on tv as a science type thing uh space and i wasn't really interested in watching it i liked the subject and i found the subject to be interesting but my my father had forced me to sit down and watch it and i don't think i saw any of it because i spent the whole time being angry about being forced to sit down and watch this documentary that had my dad said hey you know let's watch this this looks like it's gonna be pretty cool you know i probably would have done it and i i guess i don't know that there was rebellion on my part but it was most certainly uh a a rejection of it so i I don't really know what the motivation on that was but if you take your kids out to like the park or something like that what are the type of lessons that you do there because learning is everywhere
1: well learning is like breathing i mean it's really natural to kids it's really natural to all humans so there's no like formal lessons but they do learn as a side effect of being there for example like depending upon what their individual interests are well i might guide the day based on those but it's a mutual decision as a family like what we're going to go do touching on everybody's needs
0: yeah I have a friend that when she takes her kids to the park they'll look at different leaves and stuff like that and learn how to identify them yeah, when the and, kids were younger yeah. I
1: did that kind of thing all the time like i remember we did like flower dissection we picked whatever flowers were there and we had tweezers and we'd pick them apart and look at them with fine glasses and stuff but they're they're older now so it's mm-hmm. a little bit different they're kind of sick of the park they want to either go to the mall or well my daughters <laughs> it's a lot different now that they're older for sure
0: yeah well when you go to the mall you can see all sorts of strange life forms there yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. but i the, the park is a real good example or even a camping trip because it's edutainment education yeah. and entertainment at the same time totally. and I, I think that kids learn a lot better when they're enjoying themselves i know that i do even as yeah. an adult although as an adult i've become somewhat responsible enough to where if i have to learn something that i'm not really enthused about I'll knuckle down and do it because I know that I need to, where when I was a kid, I would have fought tooth and nail on it. You mentioned in your discussion earlier about uh, rules and how rules don't really solve problems. And in many cases, they create problems. And you had a really interesting approach to dealing with one of your kids playing with fire or wanting to play with fire. Could you share that with us, please?
1: Yeah, certainly. One thing I shared in regards to the rules is I was saying that rules in a family or with your children, rules are a replacement for being there. That what real engagement takes in keeping your kids safe is your presence. So when you give a rule that you shouldn't play with fire, it's not you're putting your child in total danger because they want their freedom and that's going to be the driving force and if you can try to control them, they're going to be angry and they're going to do it anyway and dangerous things can happen because they're going, they're having the need for it, they will find a way. So by saying yes more often, it's much safer, it's much more connected experience with you and your child and you're opening them up just for so many opportunities in life by saying yes. So um, my son Devin, when he was around three or four, he wanted, to play with fire he wanted to check it out and light matches and light lighters and he just had this growing interest so he he
0: had a very strong curiosity and as we've already stated as every parent out there knows kids will act on curiosity
1: completely well nature wants them to So think of fire. Think of what a primitive thing that is, especially for boys. He had that internal drive and need to learn about it and explore it. Now, most parents would say, no, that's dangerous. In fact, I remember talking to my mother and she was like, oh my gosh, no, you can't let him do that. But I think what people are thinking when they say the automatic no is, for one, it's not convenient for them to sit there and make sure that their child's safe because they're so busy. They have other things they would rather be doing, whether it's being on social media nowadays or even 20, 30 years ago where there was so much housework or whatever is on the parent's mind that they they'd rather be doing but i said yes let's do it so i thought of a way to meet his need we'd go in the cellar for like couple hours every day. We have a huge wood furnace and he would light pieces of paper on fire in the wood furnace and then light the paper off of other paper and it was a completely safe environment. I sat right next to him. I would bring a book down there sometimes because I was right with him and I would just flip through a magazine or whatever because he just wanted to continuously do it. He would play it with candles at the kitchen table like while I was making dinner. I would put down like aluminum foil so it wouldn't like get on the table and he'd have a couple candles and he would light candles off other candles and play with the wax and it was just something he naturally wanted to do so my son wasn't in any danger because of my presence but i don't think most people consider that they just think that's dangerous for a three and four year old well i'll just fast forward as to why this story is relevant my son is a blacksmith today he plays with fire (laughs) all the time (laughs) that's what he does i can't imagine what would have happened with the course of his life i have no idea if we would have said no like say that i rewound time and he was three or four and had that curiosity and that interest and i said no that's too dangerous you know what direction how would that have split off how would that have changed the future? Instead, we always nurtured it to the point where, you know, a year later, he was building fires outside. He was learning how to build fires in the snow. He learned how to fire twirl. He mentored other kids in learning how to twirl fire safely. We made fire poi and sold them. And like, I mean, his interest in fire is branched off in every area of fire you can imagine. But how would you know with that one question when my child was three or four, either that yes or that no could have profoundly changed his learning, like what he's learned from all of it, his opportunities in life, his career, his path. So I just would really love to encourage parents to think about those little moments that you have the opportunity to say yes and what that opens up.
0: Well, it really sounds like is one is it it satisfied his curiosity. And because you had you didn't make it something that was taboo and forbidden, he probably wasn't running around behind your back secretly lighting fires.
1: Never. No, no, no. No. Because he always he always had the freedom to. He would just tell me if he wanted to you know, after a while, as he got older, he would just kind of go out in the driveway or in the yard, let me know he was going out there. I didn't need to hover, you Mm -hmm. know, and naturally, as he became more skilled and he got older, he naturally was able to do it alone.
0: He learned proper, safe methods of starting fires, too. Yeah,
1: completely. Yeah, he was really into survivalism and learning how to start fires in other ways too we bought like what is it the flint the starter oh the, the magnesium starter.
0: strikers yeah, like yeah
1: every method of starting a fire he learned and practiced and he's he teaches wilderness survival to kids so he teaches them now too and yeah, yeah. he's always really respected fire and fire safety because we did with him
0: i taught a little class out here well, it was it was supposed to be like a real class and wound up only being a couple people because the time that it, the time that the class was supposed to happen it was raining cats and dogs all over the place mm-hmm. I, it was horrible i, I probably I should have gone in the woods and and improvised a fire just to show that it could be done because that was the worst of circumstances really? I swear there may have been a hurricane in Lake Michigan or something wow. like that so there's no hurricanes in the Great Lakes maybe superior but anyway I found that when you teach these kids these things that you don't make a taboo you don't have to worry about them sneaking around and and just doing all this horrible stuff and, and then like some of the helicopter parents will be like no 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 don't touch that dangerous dangerous they'll wind up traumatized by that and afraid of fire for probably. The, possibly the rest of their lives. Definitely Mm -hmm. for a while.
1: Definitely, I've seen that too. I've seen that with other kids that have come over that were raised that way like mm-hmm. how fearful they are. So I think it takes, you know, if you don't want to pass fear down to your child and have them react like that you need to get over your own fears. And a lot of times I'm faced with that like time after time with four kids because I don't want to be the wall between them and their desires. I want to nurture what they want to learn and I have my own conditioning to get over. I have my own fears from my own upbringing and my own control that I've ha- that I've had over my life. So I really had to kind of breathe through the fire thing and and like watch how competent he was. He was mm-hmm. so competent. Like he understood completely how to handle things. And I had to just see that he was safe and breathe through it. And so emotionally, it was kind of healing, you know, to, to go through that process with him and let go of fear surrounding fire. Because prior to that, I was fearful of fire myself from from the very thing you're talking about. So part of living this life is kind of facing your own demons in order to, to not pass them on to your kids.
0: Yeah. What did it take for you to overcome your own issues and, you know, with control and then fears and stuff like that? And how did you do it?
1: Well, that's a good question because there's been so it's kind of an ongoing process we're always undoing more and more and healing more and more you know some of my greatest things that I've been faced with has been when my kids were young and I may have reacted in a certain way in which I felt their reaction and i felt what they were feeling and i felt how wrong it was to react like that like feeling the contrast and like oh i didn't i do not like the way that felt between them between them and myself you know the fear or the punitive voice that i may have had or the way i was just fearfully being overly whatever in the moment like you have to feel that contrast sometimes so parents a lot of times will come to this life or they'll look at me and think that i never have those moments But I do, you know, still, if I'm not well rested or I'm tired or hungry, it's really normal to revert back to the way you were parented and kind of have knee-jerk reactions. But then feeling your kids' reaction to that is essential to be like, oh my gosh, that was just awful. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? So empathy and compassion for your kids is really what it
0: takes it, it takes a lot of effort to pay attention and be dedicated it's very it's very easy or requires less effort to just say no and i just say the use the word ap- apathetic but yeah quite possibly apathetic because i mean, i see a lot of folks out there that they're really not raising their children they're they feed them and they put clothing on we get them dressed and send them off to indoctrination gulag in the morning but they're they're not nurturing them and they're not really sharing any values there was this one family that i knew this is the extreme end the stepfather could pull his belt off through all the loops in one single pull you know smoothly and that was his answer for everything well he had two answers hitting and yelling back then i thought oh okay well this is normal yeah hey kids are acting up so you gotta discipline them but i didn't realize that discipline wasn't punishment you know punishment is punishment discipline is corrective action you don't correct by punishing you correct by teaching Mm. And the
1: guiding and yeah. modeling, and
0: yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like I think you mentioned martial arts in your mm-hmm. presentation today. One of the biggest things that people say about martial arts is you weren't discipline in there, which you're not going to say that you weren't punishment, you weren't self control, you weren't mm-hmm. correct behavior, things like that. And when people say, Well, I'm disciplining my child by hitting them, yelling at them, and punishing them, no, it's, <laughs> it's wrong, it's, it's punishment. I think it's, I think they're using a euphemism to candy coat. The aggressive behavior, and I, I understand the fr- frustration when the kids are acting up and screaming and hooting and howling. And how do you, what was it that got you to be able to take that deep breath and say, "Okay, kids are being kids; no reason to freak out."
1: Mm. Well, I think it's important. I, I think initially, when you hear like intense behavior like that, your reaction we're so ing- conditioned to react like our parents did to react like we see all around us. It's hard not to like let that energy well up and try to control. Instead, I focus on like why they're doing what they're doing. Like if it's if it's destructive, you know sometimes kids are just loud and having fun and if I'm annoyed by it or it's too loud for me, I go elsewhere. I don't stop it because that's there's no need to do that. If it's a situation where it's bothering somebody else or somebody else's needs or freedoms are being mm-hmm. overlooked, then of course, we'll go in and talk about it. But if it's a loud, intense, negative thing, I focus on the needs under their behavior because it's only through meeting the needs that the behavior is ever going to change. If you just change the behavior, the needs, the unmet needs still there, it's going to come up in other ways. Or like what our culture promotes, you know, how we were raised, is that you just suppress it and it comes out in other ways ways stuttering nail-biting I mean kids if they're not allowed to have those needs met or to voice them they push them down and push them down and Mm -hmm. push them down and that's when bad things happen (laughs) that a lot of us have experienced
0: yeah so you've spoken here at Midwest Peace and Liberty Fest and and like I said we're very happy to have you here Uh, I was one of the organizers for this I just do, like, publicity and everything. But uh, the discussion was very positive about you coming out here. And you've spoken at Anarchapoco. Have you done Porkfest also?
1: I haven't. Oh, you haven't? the funny thing is it's only 45 minutes from where I live. Oh, wow. I live in New Hampshire, but I've never been because I'm always speaking somewhere else during that time.
0: So you do a lot of, you do liberty-oriented events, obviously. What about for the the regular Joe Six Pack and, and his wife, Mary McDonald's? You know, are, are you are you speaking to them out at like the local club or whatever?
1: No, I mean, I'm just through um, mainstream media, through okay. the TV spots that we've done. We reach millions of people that way. Our family was on Dr. Phil. We were filmed oh, really? By, yeah, we were filmed by Oprah. We were on ABC's Wife Swap. We've been on Nightline. We've been on the Jeff Probe Show, the Bethany Show. So mainstream media. Yes, it's how we reach. Okay,
0: And how's the response been to that?
1: It's really interesting because you always hear the negative on social media, yeah. like or on the message boards. I just don't go like I don't visit the message boards of shows we've been on. They actually warn you against it because the negative people really talk. But the
0: squeaky wheels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's been amazing. To be honest with you, and I've seen the progression of just people waking up to the validity of it. When we first started, the first show we ever did was Dr. Phil, and that was 12 years ago. And after the Dr. Phil show, which was pretty sensationalized, we there was a lot of other sensationalized shows. You know, the, these networks love to show what you and talk about what you don't do mm-hmm. and like the hyping up of it to sell their show but
0: they don't yell at their kids no
1: rules they can eat whatever they want they know bedtimes you know it's shocking and then people tune in and that makes sense and they're like oh wait okay this is makes total sense overwhelmingly positive Like I just always, always say yes. I don't think I've been invited to speak somewhere or invited on a television program or any interview that I've ever said no. I don't care the response. I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean my role is to convey it. And it's not my business how people respond to it. I just, the people that want to learn more will find Mm -hmm. me and come to me. And then there's more opportunities. I mean, after Dr. Phil, the message boards went on for like two and a half years. It was the longest running Dr. Phil message board after any show ever. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's since this new girl. Maybe that remember the girl that was on there that thirteen. Oh, uh, cash me outside. Yeah, that, oh. that she may have may have beat. I'm sure show wise with the with that. It's been great. Yeah, and I'll keep saying yes.
0: And you get contacted by people. They send you emails thanking you for enlightening them and saying, "Oh my god, I was so surprised. I didn't think this was going to happen." Because I I grew up in with an authoritarian mindset, authoritarian environment. My my father for him yelling was a, a way of solving problems, and mm-hmm. getting angry and. I really didn't like it. And as as I was thinking, as I was changing my mindset in a lot of different things and really the unschooling and peaceful parenting thing has only started to make sense to me in the past handful of years to where I, you know, like I said, I was rethinking my beliefs. And it's like, well, yeah, it probably doesn't do too well because one, people don't just bow down to authority, believe it or not. You know, they they are slightly rebellious. As individuals and in, in groups, I think there's a lot of group thinking and a lot of group obedience. And it's obedience in certain different in certain situations. But I just started rethinking it and everything, the pieces started falling into place and making sense. And, and I thought back to learning preferences and all these different things. It's like, holy cow, I've been doing it wrong all this time. And I was able to accept that. You have a book out.
1: I do. It's called Radical Unschooling, A Revolution Has Begun. And? You can get it on Amazon or any other bookstore. Okay. You can buy it through my website.
0: And what is your website?
1: DanaMartin.com. That's D-A-Y-N-A-M-A-R-T-I-N. And our family also has a YouTube channel, and the YouTube channel is called The Sparkling Martins. So don't forget the the at the beginning, The Sparkling Martins. So we have videos where you could check out just what our family does and how we live on a day-to-day life just to get an idea.
0: You showed a video clip at, the, at your presentation. Is that on there, too?
1: Yeah, actually, I have a whole playlist called The Radical Unschooling Revolution, and it has all of our TV interviews. The Wife Swap episode keeps getting pulled down, which is really interesting. Maybe, because of
0: copyright or something? Um,
1: yeah, ABC keeps pulling it, so I'm sure that's so, why new people keep uploading it, and it keeps getting pulled. So.
0: Do you know of a place where people can find it? Because I, that I sounds really interesting.
1: It was a crazy experience. It's I think it's on Hulu Plus, so okay. I think you have to pay for it to watch it, but
0: yeah. Okay, what can you tell us about the Wife Swap thing? I I, I don't really know much about the show. I haven't owned a TV until just recently Mm -hmm. for many years. I've never seen that show.
1: It's kind of crazy. (laughs) They contacted me at like 10 at night as um, casting
0: Get over here right now.
1: (laughs) Well, they just said we really think it'd be great for the show. And I said, well, I need to talk over with my family because we live in a partnership based paradigm so I'm not making the decision for my children like mm-hmm. it was really important to me that they made their own decision to be on anything with TV that's important for us that they want to and they all agreed and the money that we got paid we split with them equally for the show but it was they were with us for a whole week filming total of about 24 hours of film um, when they only aired 20 minutes of each side so i got flown to san diego and the mother got flown from san diego to my house and she was really authoritarian marine husband like complete opposite and they just try to live life like you do and then they enforce their rules and my family was like no way and the lady ended up leaving oh wow yeah it was she left she would not complete the show because our and it wasn't like in any negative way it's just my kids were like we we have rights and it's not going to happen.
0: I guess I'm more curious about how the other kids responded to you Oh my God, out. they
1: love me. We, yeah. They were the sweetest, most amazing kids I've ever met. We all cried when I had to leave.
0: So what was the dynamic that that you guys got along so well?
1: Because I listened to them and they had freedom. The first rule when I got there, because you have to kind of lay out your rules, you know, just for TV's sake. Which was weird because I, the first rule was that there were no rules. And the kids were just like, yay, and happy. And... But the, it's very extreme. It's an extremist show, you know, mm-hmm. so they get their most extreme families. And they had never had friends over before because the mother didn't want the house to get dirty. So that was the first thing that they invited all their friends over for a party. And they loved it. And it was there was a, they just enjoyed the freedom that they wanted. The 17-year-old son wasn't even allowed to close his bedroom door. And so something as simple as saying, you may now close your bedroom door was just amazing. The father would wake the kids up every single morning by the smoke alarm. Like with a outside of their room. So I mean I'm talking really extreme. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that hard to get rid
0: Psychotic. of
1: Exactly. So the kids were thrilled just to have normality and freedom. Okay. Like,
0: yeah. Now was the husband there? Yeah. What was his reaction to this? I wanna I wanna see this episode now. Yeah. Guess I'm gonna I'm gonna get Hulu or sign up for it or something like that. Yeah.
1: His he was He was really passive because the wife was the really controlling, domineering one. So they had, the producers really had to coax him and I, and and I'm really peaceful. And so I think the hardest thing for the show, pretty like my husband and this lady, Cindy, they went at it like it was perfect TV. You know, (laughs) it was like a dream. They had no problem with footage, but they really had to sit me and the husband, Andre down and say, you guys are both really getting along too well. There's no drama. So we need to kind of really have you push, this is your opportunity to push push how you feel for TV. And that was the only coaxing that I had. And I understood like this is what we signed on for. You know, we signed a 500 page contract to be on the show. Oh God. Yeah. It was crazy. Psychological evaluations, blood tests, you name it. Oh Um, wow. It's a a big deal. It was six months worth of stuff to actually from six months when they hire you to be on, you're you're working for ABC. And so they're, they have to do tons of background stuff. And because he and I liked each other, like, you know how you just like hang out with somebody and you Mm -hmm. like them. Like, even though we had differences, we both had the mindset of respecting it. So I just had to, and it was, what was authentic was our feelings were authentic. We just had to kind of pull them out a little bit more because we're both introverts. And so she, they just encouraged us to be more vocal. And so we did.
0: A public speaking introvert.
1: I know, isn't that weird? (laughs) Like, well, that's the weird thing. It's like, okay, so that's a perfect example. In school, I hated oral reports. I thought that I sucked at everything like that. But what I sucked at was like doing reports on things I had no interest in Mm -hmm. that was the that was what sucked and the whole time I internalized it and thought it was me and so speaking about what I'm passionate about changes everything I would have been so successful if I could have you know in school if I could have been able to have freedom to share with what I wanted to anyway so yeah
0: I, I had similar experience in school. I was I was really good with uh, reading, spelling, writing, language, things like that. Horrible at math and science and, and everything. And I just really dreaded it. And then also there were times where we had very dry, boring teachers and things like history that I should have found interesting. I had very little to no interest in Yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't working for me. And I probably would have done a lot better in school had i been a lot more interested in these things. Or had Mm -hmm. I been engaged?
1: Right, or having a teacher that's really passionate about what they're talking about can really help a child become interested in something. Mm -hmm. So there's so many factors there. Do you know if there was any changes
0: with the family that you went to visit after you left? I don't
1: know. You don't contact each other after, so there was no contact. So I don't have any, any idea if there were any lasting changes. That's kind of how the show ends, is they have you share... From each family share what they learned mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I did was the house was really like spotless immaculate and I mean our house was clean too but in a different way I believe that our house belongs to everybody mm-hmm. our whole family not just me so the we framed a bunch of the daughter the nine-year-old daughter's art and hung it all over the house and she felt like she belonged more and it was a beautiful way to display it and the father loved it well the first thing the mother did and it was on the show was walk through the door and take all the art down and go this is not saying here and so that's all I know that didn't, oh, you know, man. but that was great TV. So keep in mind what you're watching is, although it's authentic in the script, you're, you're definitely encouraged to focus on certain things mm-hmm. at a time when you're filming for the sake of the crew. And, but it was a great, great life experience. For my, my kids learned so much through it. I mean, they learned, they, the crew let them record. They held these huge cameras and they learned so much about TV. It was really cool.
0: So, another learning experience outside the classroom. Exactly.
1: And they were interested in it authentically. They learned so much through all the TV stuff that we've done because these crews come into our house and you see that they're real people and you talk to them and you connect to them and the sound guy for Wife Swap was at our house for a week and they were having so much fun behind the scenes and they out, they filmed on Halloween so the whole crew came dressed up and it was just neat neat
0: experience. That's cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And I really want to thank you for coming out here to Michigan to the Midwest Peace of Liberty Fest. Hopefully you'll be able to get back out here. Hopefully I'll be able to chat with you sometime in the future uh, when you're a little bit better rested and haven't gone through (laughs) travel shock and fatigue and, and everything else. Is there anything that you want to end with on closing remarks?
1: I just want people to really think about the fact that children are discriminated in our culture discriminated against, that children's needs matter as much as the adult's needs. And when you can focus on the needs under the behavior, instead of just trying to control behavior, it changes everything. It changes your relationship, it changes the kid's behavior as a side effect. Not that that's the goal, but it does happen when you care enough to take the time. Also, being present with your children is so important, as opposed to putting just rules out there and saying, obey this and comply to this or you'll be punished. That's lazy parenting, it is. It's hands-off approach that doesn't work. Being present with your children to ensure their safety and so they grow and learn is, is a lot of work and not every parent wants to do it, but I'll tell you, huge, huge difference in the long-term results of taking the time now and investing in that because your relationship with your kids and how strong of a foundation you can build when you have influence in your family and your kids aren't being controlled by you they trust you you have influence in their lives positive influence that they believe what you say you're not the wall between them and their desires and that changes their entire life experience so assume positive intent from your kids and when you model that they will pick that up and they'll do the same so thank you so much for having me this was fun. I'm glad I got through it and didn't fall asleep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what the crack and meth and all of our yeah, stuff is right. for. Oh, yeah, it
1: did so, work.
0: Yeah, I do notice a difference between uh, between my friends that home educate or unschool their kids and practice peaceful parenting, and then uh, the the folks that just do the authoritarian indoctrination camp. And it's, The difference is really night and day. Mm-hmm. Both happiness and, and the way the kids act and treat other people, and and it's just really amazing. Then also just the intelligence of, well, I don't want to say the intelligence, but the the, the capabilities of the, of the homeschool kids. Mm-hmm. They learn things that you don't learn in the government schools.
1: Exactly. And, you know, so it's the educational side that's really huge. And then also the parenting side. I mean, controlling somebody, controlling another human being all day, every day is miserable. It's not a joyful way to parent. And so people say parenting is so hard and... It's because it's a miserable role that you've been trained to train your kids, you know, to to, to live like. So you've been trained to parent the way that you do. And when you let go of all that, and even though it's more time and more effort and more work to be present, it's joyful. And that by nature is what we're meant to do and be is parenting is supposed to be joyful. It's not meant to suck and be drudgery. It's so that's we'll end on that.
0: This, this, yeah it's a great payoff so once again thanks for coming out to michigan and thanks for coming on the show and i look forward to talking to you down the road thank you i hope you've enjoyed this interview and if you have please consider sharing this on social media with your friends family members and complete strangers tell everybody for more information on the fest go to mplfest.org that's mike papa lima fest.org. and for more of my stuff go to Lou